Hello, and welcome to Ladies First, the fandom podcast for all your fem slash needs. I'm Gretchen, and with me today is Elizabeth. Hello. We both write for the website The Fundamentals, a website exploring the fundamentals of fandom. You may have noticed that I left out mentioning Corey, our third regular co-host. She's actually going to be sitting out today, and that's because Elizabeth and I are going to be talking about The Hundred. Yes. That's right. Our <laughs> the favorite fandom, show. I know. The fandom that brought us together. <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, it was, the, it was. The, first article, the first article I ever wrote with you, but at all, was uh, the 100 retrospectives. Yep, because I had started reviewing the show uh, long before Code 307. Well, not long before, a couple weeks before. Um, was it 3-3? It was actually my first. I think it might have been 3-4. Yeah, I think it was 3-4. Three, four. Uh, it was my first series of reviews for the website. And I realized at the end of writing all these reviews that uh, I would like some help tackling the nonsense that was season three. So I asked Elizabeth to join me. It's quite verbose in the comments section. <laughs> she was. Like, par- <laughs> like realized- paragraphs. <laughs> yes. We realized we had we had much the same concerns. And also picked up on things that the other one didn't. So it worked out well. If you'd like to, we can can link to them. There are three of them because one retrospective was not enough. (laughs) We actually were supposed to do two. And then we drafted the second one. And we're like, this is like 15,000 words. This needs to be two articles. (laughs) Right. Right. So that's why Corey's sitting out because she doesn't watch the show. And Elizabeth and I already have plenty to say. She is arguably the smart one. Who? Yeah. Corey? Yeah, yeah right. She's arguably the smart one. <laughs> Sitting out. <laughs> so, All right, Elizabeth, so... do you want to tackle the beginning? Our origin story? All right. So, um, the only reason we're covering this show, because there actually are no canon fem slash couples in it, as of now, although the trailers seem to hint aggressively that there might be another one, Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you have not heard already, and I sincerely doubt that because you're listening to this podcast, the last year in episode three seven, they killed off uh, Hate Alexa Comtree Crew, which is the commander of the Grounders, in a very stupid and asinine way. And she was a lesbian, a very important one to the fem slash community, and her death was very violent and sudden, and was bookended. It, the The first sex scene between her and Clark was immediately followed by her grisly death. So this yay. was sort of a... Yay! I mean, this isn't unheard of. Like, those of us who are a little bit older in fem slash fandom remember Buffy, so this is not like a... Sh- it was, I mean, it was shocking, but it wasn't like a shock. Like, this has never been done before. It's been done plenty. The problem was, is that there had been a couple of deaths before Lexa, and then Lexa happened, and then it was like what, one or two a week until the end of the television season? Yeah. Something like that. I think the final count was in the 30s. Yep. And quite a few of them were main characters or secondary characters. And most of them were e- were some kind of minority, whether they were people of color or whether they were women-loving women. They were mostly all non-straight white characters. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So this... I believe, was it, Gretchen, was it you coined the Spring Slaughter? Yes, I did, in conversations yeah. with Kylie and Julia. But the, because this was also one of the first deaths of a woman-loving woman character last season. And it seemed like not long afterwards, we had tons of them just dying left and right off of major television shows right yeah. in a row. It Especially- was very distressing. Especially, like, major characters that have had actually quite significant arcs across multiple seasons. Because yep. you had uh, you know, The Walking Dead. Yep. You had, uh, especially Person of Interest, which is, um, un- unfortunately, Person of Interest is right on the heels of Lexa. A lot of the fandom actually went to that show. And then... Right. Uh, is the new and then they... Not long after that. Yeah, that, they were right at the tail end. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was kind of an awful time to be a queer woman and watch television. Yep. But 
There is some happy news because a humongous movement was sparked from this, including uh, there was tons of social media support. Uh, articles started getting ri- written about it. And even billboards went up in downtown LA. Right. The mm-hmm. Lexa deserved better movement. And then this eventually begat yeah. Clexicon, which mm-hmm. Gretchen and I will be attending. And yeah. we are both we are both actually presenting panels. So if you're going to Clexicon, come and say hello. Yeah, we will be there. We will have name tags to find us. Or you can just look us up on their <laughs> website and find out what panels we're doing. <clears throat> we will probably be wearing Fundamentals t-shirts. We'll make ourselves conspicuous. Yep. Either that or Supergirl, which, I mean. I'll be dressed as Pearl. Good. So <laughs> I'll be easy <laughs> to spot. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you see a punk rock Pearl with teal converses, that's me. all right so we got to start actually talking about season four and it's much as fun as it's to talk about happy things and not this abysmal show right so the first really interesting thing to talk about so last week was the premiere um which i reviewed with much salt on the website (laughs) what's interesting is how poor the ratings are for the premiere oh my god yes they were awful. I actually, I didn't believe it when I first saw it because you know, you know how like Tumblr likes to exaggerate. I mean, we love you guys; yes. we're part of that community, but we do tend to exaggerate a bit uh, when we don't have statistics. And the first number I saw was a forty percent drop from yep. last year's premiere, and I'm like, that can't be right. <laughs> that can't. I mean, granted, you know, there was that free fall from three seven to three eight to three nine, but I was like, that can't be right. And a couple days later, sure enough, yeah, it's totally correct. They had a forty percent drop in viewership. Yeah, I think the final Nielsen rating was point four, which isn't the lowest of any episode, but it's like bottom five. It's the lowest cl- compared to the season one premiere, I think. Yeah, because the season yeah. one premiere was in like the threes and fours. I know that because the show because yeah. the show really wasn't that popular when it started. I mean, I actually okay, so I actually love the show for things other than Lexa. That's part of why I still watch it, because I love to hate it. I hate the lost potential. (laughs) But, you know, but it was sort of like just sort of a workhorse show, sort of quietly ticked away in the background. It was sort of expensive to produce, but, you know, in season one and two, I still stand by the fact that it is an enjoyable and good show. It's Fallout Teens, but that's part of the appeal to me, because I love Fallout. Mm -hmm. But the show didn't take off until season three because of Lexa, and it was because of Lexa. Yeah. And I mean, part of what made this whole situation so egregious was that Jason Rothenberg and his team went out of their way to recruit the woman loving woman fandom. They would go, they went into their spaces. There are a couple of articles about it on the website, which we can also link to. Um, But all that to say, like, they went out of their way to recruit this specific minority fandom because using Lexa and Klexa to gain their interest. So, needless to say, when he killed off Lexa, um, he's going to piss off that minority fandom, and a lot of them are going to leave. (laughs) He was also very belligerent about it. Yes. Like, you remember the Twitter Twitter post after Lexa died? It was live on the East Coast feed, and I distinctly... I remember it was... This is like, you know, when people talk about, like, remember where you were when... I don't want to say 9-11, but, like, when, some, when it's some major tragedy... Well, it kind of is a major tragedy. Um, but look, right. I was like, remember where you were? I was standing in my kitchen and was making dinner, and I was kind of half-heartedly scrolling through Tumblr, because I'm like, maybe I should check for spoilers, because I just had this really bad sinking feeling, and sure enough, there's Roth And then Twitter, too. There's Rothenberg's tweets. He's like, boom, who saw that coming? And I'm like, I cannot imagine a more insensitive thing you could possibly say. Yeah. Oh, he was so proud of himself. He was so proud of himself. And, and it then was for months. <laughs> yep, we did. He yep. was gone. Elizabeth and I actually speculated that maybe he had been like locked in a basement somewhere. Yeah, I suspected that. I suspected that the network had him locked. They locked him in a supply closet somewhere, and like, don't cause any more trouble for us because he was so belligerent and arrogant that it just kept making things worse. Hmm. They let him out for Comic Con though. He looks so and he sad. he didn't have anyone at his <laughs> table. Aww. Aww. 
So anyway, all that to say, um, so season four, and this is important to mention, season four had basically a media blackout while they were filming. And this is a big deal because this is not like a, I mean, it's a popular show, but it's not like a, we can put a blackout on this and have people still keep interest. There was no press kit. Um, They made an appearance at Comic-Con, but they didn't talk about season four very much. Um, Mm -hmm. The first trailer was released in December. It was January. Was it January? Yep. It was like three weeks. It was like a month ago. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't even announce a release date until I think the end of December or beginning of January this year. Yeah, because like, I remember, was um, it the the Supergirl podcast we were at, or no, it was uh, the Problematic Femme Slash Tropes podcast. We had actually been sort of, it was funny because it was like the next day that the the date actually was released. Right, but, but we didn't uh, have one then. Yeah, we yeah. didn't have one, and that was in December. Yep. Yeah, so there were like <laughs> no yeah. commercials, nothing. It's like, a lot of, we didn't even think that they would have a show, like, they kept saying that they were going to have a season four, but there was nothing on the internet except that it's premiering in 2017 that up until, you know, January, we didn't think they were even going to have a season four. We thought it might have yeah, been Yeah, and canceled. I mean, possibly, yeah. And also, like, this is not a subtle show to film. Like, it no. is one nice thing we have to say about it. The sets are incredible. Yeah. They're but they're really- huge. Like, yep. the polis set, that's a, I mean, it's got big, when you look at the big sweeping shots, that's a big set. That's, yep. that's, impre- like, it's impressive that they can keep so much quiet, but really, I think it's because there's no interest in the show because they didn't advertise it. Right. Like, I think the only reason I knew it was in filming is because Eliza Taylor sort of made an offhand comment in an interview that they were going into filming in a few weeks. And this oh, was... Oh, that's Right. This was probably like August or September when that happened. Yep. Yep. So while it would be nice to credit the poor ratings for the premiere of this season, while it would be very satisfying to say it's entirely because the fandom uproar, and we're not denying that that's probably a part of it. It's a huge chunk of it. It's definitely a huge chunk of it. At the same time, we can't discount the fact that there was no press. Like, who's going to watch a show that they don't know is coming? Yeah. Um, so we may see... I think the CW may, may be trying to kill it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Because no. the CW is not a show that skimps on advertising for a show that it loves. <laughs> which we know. Because we both also watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, the the other show, our favorite show, is on the same network. Uh, I was going to say the uh, the advertisement for Riverdale has been aggressive. So, oh yeah, <laughs> clearly, that too. <laughs> clearly, they're capable of it. But yeah, they don't want to talk about the one hundred, and I don't blame them. No. Nope. All it, right, should we move on really to content much good for them? Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, the premiere. Um, the first thing that we, we noticed. Start? Well, it felt like a reset almost yeah like that like they they did a pretty i mean it wasn't a hard reset but a pretty soft reset to roughly like episode four of season three basically i would say either four or seven oh yeah because if you think about it i would say i would say seven because four is good if you, four is good if you do it without killing Lexa, but if you have to keep killing Lexa, which mm-hmm. I mean is pretty, we're pretty much committed to that because, well, whatever. Anyway, so from seven, which we said this anyway last season that you could have done, you could have put the flame into Clark as recently as, or as soon as episode seven because you just needed the night blood transfusion. Right. Which is so funny that the fandom figured that out. Like, the same day, they're like, oh, this is how the season's going to end, with no spoilers that had been released. Because right. it was so predictable. But yeah, because um, in the negotiate, So, uh, they retconned basically maybe about eight, eight to nine episodes, just in one episode. Mm-hmm. Right. So, 
or they they wrapped up every plot hole, which I suspect they read our retrospectives because it was yeah. oddly specific. <laughs> like, yeah, there were some, yeah, some very specific plot holes that we were like, "Why did this happen?" <laughs> and sometimes their wording was almost exactly a response to <laughs> issues that we brought up. Oh, so. yeah, I am that arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> so there is things. So no, there's something I that I do like. Because I was the second time through, I actually did pay pretty close attention to the dialogue. So, but the implication is weird. So when Echo and Bellamy are talking, because they're trying to parlay, and Bellamy offers Echo their surrender plus guns as long as she honors the coalition. Because mm-hmm. at this point, Rowan is still unconscious, so he can't he can't make the agreement. Right. Echo is not an ambassador, but we're just moving on, moving on. So. <laughs> Specifically what Echo says to him is because he makes an offer and there's a pause and she just says, no. And he's surprised and then Echo sort of alludes to the fact that she's like, you wiped out Tree Crew's army when you had an alliance with them. We're not making a deal with you. And I was like, someone was actually paying attention. Although that sort of, that implies that Lexa's sort of Queensguard, her 300 good men, um, that implies that that was her entire army. Because yeah, there's also matter. another there's another point in this episode where they say that Asgada has moved uh, a thousand soldiers into the city during the chaos with the chips. Um, okay. Sure. <laughs> but if Asgada has an army of a thousand, how did how was Lexa able to control them? Like, with 300 warriors. Also, we know there were more than 300 warriors. There were definitely more than 300 people at the Battle of the Mountain, and that was only Tree Crew. Yeah. Was and it? She actually, God, I can't I think, fucking remember. I'm pretty sure she actually says that it's just an advanced guard at some yeah, point the, in the season 300, two. The 300 is a security detail. She sent them explicitly to protect Sky Crew from Asgada. It's oh, the irony. It's not army. But... But according to Echo, it is. Yay. It could be that a significant portion of Polis was chipped and that, like, even if Lexa was alive, she'd have nobody to command. Although you think the other tribes, you think the other tribes would honor the coalition to fight against Asgada and the chip. Like, this is such a mess. It is a mess. But because this is a mess, this is why they cut it all out. Like, I'm realizing, like, they're very expertly excising everything they did in season three because they realized that they wrote themselves into a stupid little corner. Mm-hmm. So they just started frantically retconning. Yep. Yep. Another retcon around Echo is that she's apparently Osgeta Queensguard. Which Oh yeah, specifically Queensguard. Specifically, she specifically says that she is Queensguard, which we assume means she's Naya's Queensguard because there is no other queen of Asgada in recent, at least that the show has introduced. <laughs> There's Theo, who's apparently an, an important enough person to be mentioned by name once. And Twice. He's got, I'm pretty sure Theo. Theo is not a queen's name, I'm pretty sure. So No, it's, um, he's the grandfather. Oh. Yeah, Rowan's paternal grandfather. Rowan's not paternal, uh, grandfather. Yeah, grandfather, who was not mentioned last season, but is apparently now a super big deal. Big, like it's his crown, it's Theo's crown that that Rowan is going to wear, not his mother's, his grandfather's, and he must honor no, his, his mother's memory. His Whatever. mother's crown is too feminine, I guess. <sighs> like, oh my gosh, watch this show. Yeah, because Naya's crown is much smaller than the one they had. Granted, though, that was a cool prop. It was a cool prop. Like the yeah, this the it does. Although it's kind of like exactly the jagged crown from Skyrim, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> it's a head nod. So, uh, I'm I'm just I'm just going to say like some people on this writing team are really big fans of Bethesda games. Right. There are some things, especially fallout 4 there are some things yep yeah yes no it wouldn't surprise me either so i want to talk about echo being a queen's guard because i think it's ridiculous um i mean it's cool she's a pretty cool character this season like 
she's pretty awesome. I like mm-hmm. her. I don't know why I like her. She's in tall. The sense- yeah, she's tall. <laughs> she's, she's pretty uh, assertive. Um, but when she is introduced, she's introduced in season two, episode 11. She is a captive of Mount Weather. She's in the cage next to Bellamy. At this point in time, we know that Mount Weather is targeting Tree Crew. We don't even know that Ice Nation exists until the next episode. Episode 12 is when we meet the first two emissaries of Ice Nation who come to Lex's coalition in Ton DC. So, the assumption that you would make reasonably is that Echo is a member of Tree Crew. Because she's the captive of Mount Weather. We don't see her again. I mean, we see her again a little bit in the finale of season two. But she's, like, leading the other grounder captors, captives, which are also tree crew. Which, again, supports the assumption that she's tree crew. Because why would the other tree crew captives follow an Osgoda warrior into battle if Especially- they don't like each other? Yeah, especially since we get the implication that the antagonism between Tree Crew and Asgoda is, like, this really deep-rooted, long-term sort of fight that's been going on over several generations. Right, that, like, Sky Crew didn't start the antagonism between them. They just kind of stepped in the middle of it and made it worse. (laughs) Yeah, they already hated each other. (laughs) So why all of these grounders would be following an Asgoda warrior, I don't know. Begrudgingly, I guess. Yeah, I guess begrudgingly, but we never, like, that's not on screen. And then she shows up again in season three. Her only appearance in season three is in episode three, where she betrays Bellamy and Sky Crew on behalf (sighs) of Ice Nation. But they never make it clear that she actually is Ice Nation. So I actually thought that she was like a Tree Crew defector, that she didn't like Lexa for some reason and decided to team up with Asgada. Like, maybe because of Lexa's willingness to be merciful to Sky Crew that she was like, I don't like that. I'm going to go join with Ice Nation because they want to get rid of Sky Crew. But suddenly this season, she's not only Asgada, she's goddamn Queensguard. So what the F was she doing in Mount Weather? What was she doing in Tree Crew territory? That's the other thing. It's like, and like this is, uh, I hate the show because... In some areas, it's so good at building up its sci-fi, you know, sort of soft science sci-fi, which it's fine. I like that sort of thing, like the bone marrow explanation. That's fine. Yeah. It's a soft science solution, but it works. But, like, the range on, like, like there's only so long that a gas mask works, and there's really only so many of the filters that you can carry. So all the people in Mount Weather, or most of them, can't go out in the radiation. Why would they be walking half? Because, like, we know from Arcadia to the border of Asgada is at least, like, a four to six hour drive. We know that from the season three premiere. Mm-hmm. So what the hell are these idiots doing walking all the way out there? I mean, unless Echo was a spy, which kind of makes sense. But why would you send your Queen's Guard for that? You send, right? <laughs> you send disposable units to be scouts and spies. You don't send your personal guard. Yeah, like there's there's zero way to make sense of Echo being Queen's Guard other than just they're retconning and paying no attention to the other seasons and hoping we don't either. Like, <laughs> I mean, they just I like Echo. Right. Like I do. her, per- yeah, her persona in this like she's a really strong character. I actually I personally don't mind violent female characters as long as they are consistently written. And- yeah. The way that Echo is in the season, she's very strong. She's very firm. She actually feels like a grounder to me. Yeah. Um, she's also very tall, and I really like tall women. You know, that's beside the point. <laughs> like, it helps. She's uh, she, she, she taller than, than Bob Morley? She might be. She's pretty tall, pretty, like, for, yeah, for a woman. She's taller than Roan's actor, I think. He's kind of on the short. Well, no, because he, because Eliza Taylor thinks the same height as I am, and he's like looking down at her. Right. So, I mean, she's. I would probably put her close to six feet tall. Just guessing. Like, but we don't. Know. Um, Brenda's Brenda Strong is tall too. So, I yeah. mean, I'm glad there's another tall woman. Anyway, we're off on a tangent. Um. <laughs> All right. Anyway, All right. that makes no sense. Yeah, um, here's. Here's another lore thing that bothers me. So, uh, at the end of the episode, Echo hands Bellamy a doodad, 
It's quite ornate doodad, but it is a dude. Magical MacGuffin. It says, this will allow you to pass through as good a lands unharmed. Okay, so are the grounders civilized or not? Because we are always sort of given the impression that they're not supposed to negotiate. They're not supposed to be open to negotiation and to trespassing. Because, you know, they've been telling us this for two seasons and they've been trying to hammer home how violent the grounders are. So why do they have this system? Why would they need to... This makes no sense. And you also can't tell me that if some Asgoda warriors, the way that they've been characterized, if they came across them, even if they're holding this MacGuffin, you can't tell me they wouldn't slaughter them. Yeah. Third, yeah. It, and only one, which means that, like, only one person can do it at a time, or one group of people can do it at a time. If, yeah. If Bellamy is in Osgoda land and someone needs to send him a message, like, tough, tough titties, they're going to die because <laughs> they don't have the magical MacGuffin. Bellamy does. Like, uh, what do you want to bet? I bet you anything this is going to be a plot point at some point that the group oh, is going to get. it has to be. They're going to be in Asgoda territory and they're going to get separated. There's literally no other reason for this. Uh, I can't think of any other reason that this would be in here. It's so unnecessary, unless it's a plot point. Also, like, the MacGuffin doesn't look like it comes from Asgoda. Like, I know, because, like, Asgoda stuff, they... Okay, so Asgoda, basically, they remind me of the... Sort of, of like, a cross between the Raiders from Fallout. Because they like to decorate with human bones. <laughs> and... <laughs> and uh, the Nords from Skyrim. And part of that is our part of that is our darling Zach McGowan, the very handsome Viking esque man. But they remind me a lot of the Nords. And so this thing that they hand them, I'm like, this is more like like Elvish Art Deco. This is not like Dorvish or or oh, sorry, Elvish Art Nouveau, not Dorvish Art Deco. I know it's a nitpick, but like that's literally all we have. <laughs> Especially when they've tried really hard which again is one of the things i really like about the world building with the distinction between the tattoos and the scarring and you get the sense that each grounder nation has its own symbology and its own style except for this thing which does not seem (laughs) to fit what we've seen of Asgoda. which another point that we have to mention is the the weird pronunciation of that word Suddenly oh, it's Asgeda. As- Suddenly it's Gata. Asgeda. Now. Okay. We could honeypot that though. That's we could honeypot that 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 Lexa says it differently because the because gra- Tree Crew and Asgeda have a different I mean they clearly all speak the same language, but they're different dialects. Yeah. Or should but be. It should be. I still say Asgoda should speak French because we're on the East Coast and they're supposed to be the far north and, and they're ice nation implying there's ice up there. So they should be in French Canada. Asgoda should speak French. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, sure. That That's what it is. That's an easy fix. What is What is less of an easy thing to make sense of is Rowan being shot and still surviving. Uh, oh my so, god. Elizabeth and I were talking about this earlier. <laughs> and in the season finale, the two-part season finale, Clark and Bellamy and Rowan and everyone are in the woods at night planning their way into Polis. By the time they get to Polis, it seems to be daytime, probably morning. That's what we assume because that's what it looked like. Like, you know, early to mid-morning. Um... Then the next thing, I mean, then we have all of the the going into the City of Light, and that's got to take some time. And then everything that happens in the first third of the episode, which, again, is going to take some time. When Bellamy goes to parlay with Echo, it is at most mid to late afternoon. It's like four just just judging by the sun position in the shots. It's still obviously daytime, not evening. By the time we get the shot of Abby and Clark digging the bullet out of his body, it is full dark. Yeah, it's pitch like black. Not, yeah, pitch black. So Roan has been dead for at least eight hours. At least eight hours, maybe more like twelve. It could have even been a full day because it could because we have because the show is so bad about being consistent with the passage of time. He could have been lying on the ground for a full twenty four hours, right? And Abby says 
that the bullet is pressing on his carotid artery and that is why they need to save him like pronto because he's going to die. I'm just um, going to say, okay. So she explicitly says it's cutting off the blood supply to his brain. You mm-hmm. have, okay. Like, obviously this is a bad thing. Like, I'm not going to yeah. condescend to the audience and assume they don't know that. But generally speaking, um, if you're out for longer than like a half an hour, uh, the brain damage is pretty severe. Like, you won't be able to walk, you might not be able to talk, you may not be conscious. It's, like, this is not something you mess around with. If you cut out the blood flow to the brain, damage sets in pretty quickly. So he's been yeah. lying out there for six six to eight freaking hours with this bullet lodged against his carotid artery, supposedly. Unless it moved around while Abby was doing surgery. He should be brain dead. Like, he's yeah. not gonna, he's not gonna cough and pop up and... No. <laughs> and then... No. Uh, do the badass thing that he does with the the scraggly voice. Oh, and later, uh, cauterize the wound with the sword because okay, uh, because Asgera is just so hardcore like that. Oh god, the dia- so manly. No, remember like the dialogue in that scene was like because Echo's like you need to show them real strength, and then there's the beat, and then he burns his chest. I'm just like, oh, all the Emmys, yeah, all the Emmys. That's some Game of Thrones writing right there. The thing is, it, like, totally is, though. Yeah. It's so badly staged. Yep. And, like, the camera, like, lingers on him, like, and he's, like, staring at Echo, except Echo's standing, like, behind where the cameraman would be, so he just looks like he's staring at the audience, like, like, pressing this red hot dagger to his chest while his, like, skin sizzles. Oh my god. Like, he, I mean, he's a handsome guy. Like, I get it. Yeah. But. <laughs> oh my so, god. It's a, like, it's a bit over the top. So, oh. anyway, he should be dead. Yeah, he, he should, should be not, dead. He should not be alive. And even if he's not, like, so, and another world building problem. So, because, first of all, Echo says that he was a bargaining chip in, when Lexa was organizing the coalition. Um, why? Because then Echo follows up by saying, the, the people don't trust you, the war chiefs won't follow you. So, if Lexa wanted him gone, that implies that he would have been a problem. Right. But Naya was the problem. So why is Naya the one that Lexa was parlaying with? It would have made more sense for her to parlay with Rowan, but nobody thought this through. Right. And, it, like, how is he a bargaining chip if he has no position within Asgada? Like, if Asgada doesn't want to follow him, he has no value as a bargaining chip because literally no one wants him as king. So, does Asgada just have a, a hereditary monarchy? Because that would make sense. Because then if that's really important to their culture, then yeah. But they didn't tell they us that. No. That's the only logical explanation. But we're never told that. Because none of the other Grounder Nations have that. I mean, it's possible. And it would explain why they bothered to name drop Theo a few times. Because if that's important... I mean, that's fine. If it's important to their culture. But, you know... They need to tell us that. You can't just force the viewer to make these leaps. Right. Well, and the thing is, he it was never even established in the show that him being exiled was a part of Lex's deal with Naya to join the coalition. Not until this that, season. Well, that, yeah, that is something that... And it's never even specifically said that way on the show. Yeah. That is something that Jason Rothenberg mentioned in an interview during the hiatus... But again, something isn't canon until you till you say it on the show. There's like a missing step here. Like it's not like I actually say that this this episode was a massive improvement over last season. Like there's still missing pieces, but this is actually pretty coherent. So I right. will give them the I'll go give them points that we can actually follow sort of where they're going with this. Right. Like it was a much tighter story. Everything taking place in Polis, I think, neatened everything up a lot. Well, most of it. You had yeah. the little bits in Arcadia. But it was like much tighter plot wise. It was easier to follow. There weren't so many jump cuts and you know scenes all over the place that it was hard to track where all the subplots were going. And this is just a nitpick of like there's a missing beat in the show that I think what may have happened is that he gave that explanation and then it just became canon that that's what happened and was written into the story as if that was something they had mentioned early on because that was the explanation that they all knew of but they never bothered to put it into the canon itself it could be an editing problem like oh yeah that's also true 
this one I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on because it actually it feels constructed. Like you can sort if you write, I guess if you write fiction, but if you write in general, um, or you you can sort of tell when something feels like it has foundation to it and scaffolding. And this feels like it feels like this was actually planned out. It right. it doesn't feel like an ass pull. Like there there's some there's right. something behind this. Yeah, you know, like they just, half yeah. credit, half credit. Yes, half credit. Um, what did feel like an ass pull and the part that well it's not wrong it's just kind of silly in its specificity is the reactor meltdown oh my god so (laughs) one of our this is one of those ones where we're like did they read our did they read our retrospectives yeah oh yeah it was oddly specific (laughs) because one of our major criticisms with the whole now all of the reactors are melting down in the world was one how would these nuclear reactors survive the initial nuclear apocalypse? If you have nuclear missiles flying all over the world, chances are you're going to hit a reactor and blow. And and nuclear reactors aren't generally designed to survive humans not operating them. So that they like actually pretty, right. They're they're pretty resilient though. Like just a, a quick aside, like, what happened with the Fukushima reactor, um, it actually didn't melt down. Like, they they were able to do quite a bit of damage control, and that was a humongous, like, danger to, like, like nuclear reactors are not fragile. Like, mm-hmm. um, there are fail-safes in that. Like, they won't, they probably won't survive a nuclear blast. Right. But, like, Okay. I can't wrap my head around how dumb this is. Like, why would you design them to run on their own? If the world ends, who needs the electricity? That's what they're for. (laughs) So, and, like, our other criticism was, like, why now? Why suddenly now are all of the nuclear reactors in the entire world simultaneously melting down? Like, we might be able to explain away one or two maybe surviving the initial nuclear blast. But... But why would they last 100 years? And why are they all melting down now? So their yeah, answer... This, yeah. Th- I, just, I was going to say, this implies this implies that the world was cohesive enough that everybody had the same upgrades. Right. Which isn't, like, totally unreasonable now. But, like, also, by the way, never look at a map of all the nuclear reactors in the world. I couldn't sleep for, like, a week after that. <laughs> But, like, this implies that all of them were upgraded with exactly the same hardware at exactly the same time. You cannot tell me that this is a possibility. You cannot tell me that Russia upgraded their reactors. Like, national secrets we're talking about here, that Russia, Japan, the UK, and the US all shared this information willingly with each other. Right, because their explanation for this was literally, well, at some point, I mean, three, it has to be three years Three years before the nuclear apocalypse that wiped out the Earth, every nuclear reactor was upgraded with both the ability to withstand a nuclear disaster and run for 100 years. Like, Why 100? That's literally, I don't know. <laughs> why any years? Like you said, why would it... If you're going to have a nuclear apocalypse, like chances are not pe- people aren't going to survive. Why would you need nuclear power yeah you wouldn't need to maintain the earth like here's okay here's the bizarre thing like so the way that a reactor works i'm not going to go into super detail about this but let me tell you this was a fun week of research but the short (laughs) version is uh there's a there's a nuclear reaction that happens it's a chain reaction that generates the energy that powers the reactor (coughs) to stop this reaction there's something called a control rod and you drop them into the core and what they do is they break the chain so the reaction can no it's the chemical reaction can no longer continue because the chain is now broken so most reactors have sort of fail-safes in them that are designed explicitly to where if something goes wrong, these control rods just drop down immediately and stop the reaction and the, the reactor is wound down. In fact, like what happened in Chernobyl, like the reason why that reactor exploded, number one, um, a nuclear reactor melting down is not like a nuclear bomb. I hate, hate, hate when you see this in films. It was a steam explosion that caused the that that blew up the reactor. It's because the steam from the water that they used to cool the cores built up too much pressure. It got too hot, and then it blew up the reactor. And what was, you mean? It, there are no giant death waves that vaporize people? No, there are not. Well, there is a death wave. There is, but it doesn't vaporize you. 
it passes through you and you don't start melting until a couple of hours later. Yeah, it's not visible. Yeah, well, it is once it starts, but uh, your skin turns yeah, well, black. Well, like the death wave isn't visible. Like there's no, not, it's not like a big giant mushroom cloud started death wave that you see fire coming and then vaporizes you. Yeah, because the mushroom cloud is caused by a warhead. Yes. Like when a not- reactor melts down, all you see, you might see like, because in Chernobyl, they saw really brilliant lights coming from it um, as the radiation started seeping out which is chemical reactions with the atmosphere, but it's not going to look like an explosion per se. Yeah, <laughs> and it it's certainly not going to vaporize people, nor is it going no. to vaporize <laughs> the pyramids. Oh, oh my like, God, that part made me so mad. Radiation does not destroy buildings like that. No. Sorry. Like, <laughs> uh, another small aside about that, like when they first started showing that shot, like I'm, in, I'm watching it, I'm texting Gretchen, and uh, when the two humans look at the camera and I'm like, Lordy, Lordy, Gretchen, he did not cast two Arabic people for the desert part because we thought it was the dead zone. Right. <laughs> like, he, he like, did not. He did not. Oh, my God. But no, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I get, which makes no sense either. Like, oh, now we know that they apparently people survived in Egypt. Well, only to be destroyed by <laughs> the meltdown. Which like, apparently. I feel like the purpose for this was to establish that the reactors on the other side of the world went down first, which, like, is that racist? Like, kind of low-key racist? Whatever. It's- the point is, it's not in the U.S. that this is happening, but, like, okay, so when the Chernobyl disaster happened, you know how pe- you know how the rest of the world found out about it? Sweden, a few days later, was registering humongous increases in their atmospheric radiation, and because the reactor operators freaked out, and they're like, oh, no, we have a leak, but it wasn't their reactors, and they're like, what happened? And, like, Sweden is thousands of miles away from Kiev. So, like, this is going to have, like, I'm sure the next episode is going to start the effects. Yeah. But, like, I don't think, I don't think anybody on the team did any real research about, like, how dramatic something like this would be. Like, the world should already be done. If the reactors are already melting down, then they should already be dead. Yeah, they shouldn't have six months. Yeah, the weather, the weather alone would kill them. Like, because you know how, like, when a major volcanic eruption happens, the weather goes all wonky for, like, several years after? This yeah. is so much worse than that. Yeah. Especially because Allie, in her, like, view screen or whatever that she showed Clark in the City of Light, showed not just one. It showed at least five or six nuclear reactors in active explosion. Yeah. So, whatever. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this, this whole plot line is absurd, and we kind of enjoy it because it's so ridiculous. And we're kind of looking forward to seeing how he's going to manage to write any kind of ending. Especially any kind of open ending. Because he's claiming that he's really believes that they're going to get a season five. Which, whatever. Maybe, maybe not. I, the CW <laughs> seems to be trying to kill the show. But even, even if they got renewed for a season five, how the heck? They're going to how space. The heck? Oh, here's, here's or a and, because, and because they're going to space or a bunker, uh, because there have to be other Mount Weathers. There absolutely have to be uh, a space or a bunker. But like, <laughs> okay, so we have to, we have to talk about Bellamy's redemption arc. Which okay, there's one part of it that I do like. At the very end of the episode, Kane pulls him his side and he says to him, "You turn the page." And Bellamy sort of smiles and nods his head, and then Kane like like grabs him. And then he says, you turn the page and maybe you'll you do better tomorrow than you did yesterday. And maybe you'll deserve to survive. I was like, oh, oh, that was cold. That was really cold. I loved that. Yeah, that was nice. Hold him accountable. Other than that, by redemption arc, do you mean like not um, mentioning the fact that he did anything wrong yeah or like you know he smiles at clark and makes a joke in the first five minutes like clark like she just lost lexa and then like um he just found out the world is ending and bellamy like makes like some glib comment and i'm like i think i literally screamed fuck you at the screen like yeah oh my god he's oh oh my god nothing is ever his fault nothing is ever 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 his fault and like there there is a way to handle someone who does something as horrible as he does. And Yeah, actively, we saw it in the Steven Universe. 
Right? We saw it in Steven Universe. I just wrote a whole article about Magan Moores from Supergirl, who was a member of a race that, like, committed genocide. Mm-hmm. And they found a way to make me love her with all of my heart. She's my precious baby. Like, and it wasn't by ignoring what she did or whitewashing it or justifying it or making it seem like it was totally okay. It was actually by saying, no, this is awful. And she's going to make different choices, which we have not seen with Bellamy. Like, (laughs) all he's done the whole time is be like, why is everyone so mad at me for killing 300 grounders? It's not a big deal. Maybe there are no good guys. Oh my gosh. Fucked. I hate that so much. Although that might actually be true, because, like, Octavia's going full Kratos, like, full God of War, bad, chaotic evil, which is cool. Like, honestly, I'm so for this. I can't wait to see her murder a bunch of people and inevitably somehow either maim or kill Bellamy, and that'll be her, like, or Indra. It'll probably be Indra, knowing Rothenberg. Yeah, he would never let anything happen to Bellamy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to her her Greek tragedy esque downfall. Yep. I have. Yep. If you had told me at the beginning of last season that this is what I would be excited for, because the show always has at least somewhat of a hopeful tone. Like even you know, like it's a show about the nuclear freaking apocalypse. Of course, it's not like sunshine and daisies, but the show always had a somewhat positive tone to it. Yeah, that like we can find a way to survive and be better. Yeah, and against the odds. Yeah, right. So, like, heck, if you had told me at the end of last season that I would be, like, actively cheering for Octavia to just go full dark, I would have called you crazy. (laughs) But here I am, and that's the thing that we are hoping for this season, is that Octavia just, like, goes, yeah, just goes full on, or as close as Rothenberg is capable of writing a greek tragedy for her which i still don't know how they're gonna pull it off because as of this last episode she seemed pretty fine like at the end of season three she was like crazy yelling at things and even at the opening of the episode she's like climbing down the outside of the tower and like because because she's extra like that, even though like two seconds later, people are walking, literally walking out the front door of the tower, even though they had said that there was literally no way down. Whatever. So like this is she, remarkably in character for her, though, to be honest, she would she would climb down the outside because that's Octavia. But then like she seems fine working with Bellamy. Like, they don't have any, like, tense interactions. She's totally cooperating and on board with the plan to get in to help Rowan. Like, I have no idea what the the instigating factor is going to be that makes her go full assassin. Because I was assuming when the season started, she would be there. Because they had primed her to just be there when the season started. Oh, yeah. That, like, like, she was going to, like, get the – get out of Dodge – immediately and like go on a rampage but she's apparently putting that on hold to help everyone else for some reason and a logical place to start it would be to kill indra but we know for a fact that that's not what's going to happen because there's a cut in the trailer of indra saying she became the sky ripper it's yeah indra says the name like the assassin name which like is so cool by the way this is so cool this is so cool in like a juvenile way and i love it yeah. And the the sort of the God of War comparison that this is just violence for the sake of violence, and if it literally is that self indulgent, I embrace it. Yeah, that that the spear throwing part, like that was awesome. I don't care how stupid it was, I loved it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of the only things that we're really actively rooting for this season. <laughs> yeah, and like, and the thing is, like, because I've talked to Gretchen about this, um, if they had the balls to do it. I would actually like them to take Clark and have Clark go full full evil too or full injustice. Like, you know what, you ungrateful shits. If like if you didn't want my opinion, why did you ask for it? Like, you know what? Everybody wants me to be one hater. Everyone wants me to be a villain villain. Fuck it. This is now a dictatorship. We have to figure out a way to save ourselves, and nobody else gets a say in it because I am the only person with my head on straight. Like just one right. hater and Sky Ripper. Yes. 
I we would be so on board with Octavia and Clark just being like, "Fuck you guys!" Like yeah. we we're we're in charge now. No questioning what I do. <gasps> you can just suck it. Octavia no telling me is that Clark's, it's all my fault. Uh, Octavia is Clark's right hand. The oh my gosh. Or, or I guess on Dragon Age it would be the left hand. Yeah, but she's because like Le- um not Lexa. Uh, Octavia has Lexa's war paint. It's um the top part of her forehead. That's uh. Lincoln's chest tattoo. Right, right. And then the rest of it is Lex's war paint. I would love to see, like, Clark in, like, in, like the, the Death's Head skull war paint. Yes. Like, oh yes. All oh, that would be so cool. That'd be so oh. awesome. What has this show done to us? Why are we actively reading for this? Right. Um, uh, especially if the spoilers are true and Clark is supposed to die at the end of the season, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it happens, but Eliza Taylor did cut her hair. I mean, I know that, like, with Clark, like, she's got a ton of extensions in there, but, like, she did cut her hair pretty short. Yeah. Yep. So, maybe. Yeah. It wouldn't Hopefully surprise Hopefully not me. before hooking up with Nyla again. Yes. Which is another thing that would be awesome. Would be, as much as we don't think we'll get one, I mean, it would be awesome to have another femme slash ship. There are options. Like, yeah. We could get Nyla and Clark, which would be cool. For some reason, the trailer is making it look like maybe Octavia and Nyla hook up. Right? Because they're like they're like right next to each other in both of the shots, and like and that's actually okay. So here's the weird thing about the way the trailer is cut. Because usually the trailer is supposed to highlight the most importance of, and most important things of the season. Uh, uh-huh. Nyla is pretty prominently featured in that trailer. Yeah. Like, she she gets a solo cut. Like, there's a part where she's lying down, and she's like, it looks like she's lying on, like, a bed, but she's looking at, clearly looking at another character and sort of talking about, like, I can't remember, it's been a while, but it's sort of like a nature of man or the nature of evil sort of conversation, but, like, Uh like, how oddly specific is that? I don't care who she's talking to, it better be a woman. Oh my gosh. It could be Octavia, or it could be Clark. It could even be Raven. I don't care. I'm down for this. Yeah, or even... Or even Echo. I mean, heck, just, just put <laughs> any of the other, like, awesome ladies in her bed, and I'd yes. be like, that, that's good. I Octavia think. would make sense, considering, like, she's talking... Or Octavia or Clark would make the most sense, because she's started talking right. about the nature of evil. Right. Right. So, I know there are a couple other things we need to touch on before we're done. Um, speaking of Clark, like, how the heck Abby knows that that Clark loved Lexa? This makes me so mad. So tell it, tell like, us, Elizabeth, why does this make you so mad? Okay, so I don't have a very good relationship with my mother. So whenever a show does that, like, a mother knows. Bullshit, a mother doesn't know you. Your mother doesn't know you because there's some psychic connection between you two. She knows you if she gets to know you as a person, if she engages with you and speaks to you and knows, she knows your emotions and your faces because, you know, she's around you a lot. Uh, you know, and... Uh, Clark and Abby have been together over the past couple of years, maybe a couple days at a time at the most. Because Clark yep. was in prison from the age of 16 until 18. And then they got to the ground. And there's all that, like, and I've, like I hate this because I really want Clark and Abby to repair their relationship, but they just never have time. So Abby to be like, I know that look. Bullshit you do, Abby. You haven't seen your daughter in, like, for a long period of time in two years. Also, Clark is a completely different person than she was before. Right. Like, and, and, it, and it's not like they couldn't have fixed it even without making the scene any longer. Yeah. Like, all they would have had to do is change that line of dialogue from I know to, like, I am so sorry, honey. I am here for you. Yes! Like, that would have been so much better. <clears throat> and would have been a boring character for Abby, actually. Right? Oh. I did like I'm Bellamy's sure I- sad face, though. I know, and Kane noticed it. Uh-huh. Like, there's this shot where, like, you see Kane is looking at Bellamy because the, the thing is that implies that Kane knows what all of this means and knows its significance. Which why would Kane know? Why would <laughs> anyone know? Because literally, the only person who would have any way of actually knowing, other than Clark, is Murphy. Who was never there when they were together. And I guess Raven knows. But that's because Allie knows. Does and Raven know? She, like, calls in um in Nevermore when Raven has been taken over by Allie. 
Oh, that's like, right. Like, she, she blames Lexa's death on Clark, implying that she knows how much Lexa means. I mean, oh. there are places where you can imply that people know, but they literally did not establish that these people knew. But they somehow, like, act, like vacillate between acting as if they don't know and acting as if they do when there's no reason for them to actually know. So this felt like another one of those, like... Everyone, because the audience all knew that Klexa was a thing, like, clearly all the other characters would know. Because you guys know, so why wouldn't Abby know? I was like, because exactly. Abby wasn't there. Like, she, that's why she wouldn't know. Whatever. Actually, speaking of Raven, remember how in the, the retrospectives we called her Raven Ex Machina? Yes. So that's now canon, because uh raven they actually directly acknowledge in the dialogue that raven got a brain upgrade which you know i'm not gonna oh, i'm not great. i'm not gonna get into the neuroscience we'll be here all day stay tuned for the season four retrospectives i'm sure oh I'll, I'll have time to go into that but like okay t- like just a couple of quick things about the arcadia guys number one um watching jasper lay out a tarp to blow his brains out is probably one of the most morbid things i've ever seen on television that was awful i do not know who thought that was a good idea Right. Especially after all of the horrible things that they did to the, some of the other teenage characters last season who thought oh. this was whatever. Like, Someone we knew he did. wasn't going to die because we saw him in the previews. But, like, holy shit, right. guys. No. Yep. Uh, Monty is magically okay after being stabbed in the gut with a screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, you pointed out that we actually see his full torso. Yeah, because him and like Harper we... are getting it on. Yeah, and we see his full torso and there are no stab wounds. Nope. So... <laughs> He's fine now. Like, because, I mean, because at first you were, you were like, like, well, you know, he wouldn't really have the energy for sex. I'm like, well, he could just, you know, it's not necessarily a two person participation activity. (laughs) Like, but yeah, you, you, you see his full torso. He doesn't have, like, he should have wound dressings. Oh, and there's no medic at Arcadia. No, there isn't. There's no medic. Like, I'm sure. he's fine now. I'm guessing that, like, Raven probably picked up some field medic stuff from Clark. Like, yeah. I could, I could, I could give that a honeypot because Raven's a smart girl. Like, I, I can't, I can't, especially since she was a mechanic. I can't possibly imagine she wouldn't know how to do emergency triage because you know she was doing zero graph stuff. Like, she, she would know first aid. But yeah. like, but again, you don't get points for it if it's not canon. Nope. Um, <sighs> all right, let's talk. Let's wrap this up with a couple of good things we liked. Yeah. Um. Murphy, it was nice. He was basically the the voice of fandom, expressing the like, "Hey, let's just leave." Let's, yeah, let's just go. That was honestly that that was probably one of the funniest, one of the best things of the entire show's run is Murphy like going to talk to to Sky Crew and them handing him a gun, and you can just see on his face like the little gear is turning, and he walks back to Amori and he's like, "Hey, remember when I said we'd be safe with Sky Crew? I was wrong. Let's go. Peace out." <laughs> like they just straight up leave, <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> they're the only ones with any common sense in the series the lovable they rogues really i know they really they're are lovable rogues i love them i hope for good things for them I other people too. i hope for nice things for is kane and abby because they're adorable <gasps> oh my god oh they deserve to be happy they do i don't they're... understand why clark had that weird look on her face like kane and abby <laughs> are like are you okay and she's staring at them like she's like mad is she constipated? I don't know. Like, Eliza Taylor is an amazing actress. Yeah. I am guessing this was a problem of direction because I don't know what that look on her face was supposed to mean. Like, I don't know why she would be bothered by Kane and Abby at all. Because but... she's good at emoting. Like, there's that, like, when she hands Rowan the chip, um, oh, there's like a oh, single tear a... that goes down her face. I was just like, oh, God. Right. She's really good at emoting. I don't know why she would be like, Whatever that face was, it came She looks sort of, like, happy but sad, which I can understand, but... Oh, maybe it's a poignant, like, my mom has someone she likes. I lost the woman I love. Maybe. It was that. Oh, my God. Speaking of Clark, her hair looks nice. Yeah, everyone's hair looks so nice this season. They're a lot less dirty this season. That's nice. I guess... I guess they all took a a quick rinse in that electrified water in the tower. Yep. Yeah. Yep there's okay like and honestly it was not as bad as like i mean we can make fun of it all day but like it was a cohesive story this isn't it's an acceptably 
mediocre TV show now. It's not the horrendous shit show it was last season. Right, right. It's watchable. And it could potentially get good. I mean, maybe not good. It could potentially be on the higher end of mediocre, I think. Um, I think you'll enjoy recapping it. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't have high hopes for Jason Rothenberg as a writer, so I can't say it's ever going to be amazing. Um, But I can say it's probably going to – it might be decent. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, despite all of our, you know, kvetching, this whole thing, like, it was was decent. Um, We're really excited to see how he's going to to figure out this nuclear apocalypse thing. Um, Gonna be fun. Yep. Anything else? Yeah, we're uh, that's about it. We're running low on time, so yeah, I look forward to seeing what the show does between now and Clexicon, as that'll oh, be yeah. the perfect, that'll be the perfect venue to discuss the direction of season four. That's true. It's very true. Which is three weeks from today. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, yep, that's about it for today. We could go on for longer, and we may circle back again to the hundred at some point later this year, depending on if we get any fem slash ships out of the show. Definitely. Um, But for now, that's it for Ladies First. Keep loving them and keep shipping them. Mm Mm-hmm.